Hello and welcome to the second episode of I Want to Be Elated, the podcast that celebrates whatever helps us boost our mental health. I'm James. And I'm Fred. And we're really pleased to have you along with us on this podcast as we mull over what makes us tick, especially when our mental health isn't where we want it to be. So we are now in 2021. We're somehow still in lockdowns. Um, I imagine you haven't been up to much, Fred, but how's uh, how's 2021 no, so far? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that this lockdown is the weakest of the trilogy so far for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it the least. First one but was all right. the worst. Yeah, exactly. Why, why drag it out? You know, we already got everything we needed from the first two. Well, unfortunately, of course, we didn't. Let's not be no. flippant about this. Uh, no. But no, it's been cold and horrible. Um, since we last recorded and spoke to our audience, I've been a bit up and down because I've been coming off my, it's my first winter with rheumatoid arthritis and I'm still settling into a routine of drugs. So I've just come off my oral methotrexate. You can look all this up if you want. It's exciting stuff and moved on to an injection, which means I've had a bit of a lag in between and my symptoms have been a bit crappy. So actually I've been a bit less active than I'd like to be, especially with the cold weather and all the rest of it, which means I've been quite a lot more sofa bound and a little bit more sedentary than I would have liked. But I have been using quite a lot of our advice from the first episode, folks. Uh, reading, avoiding too much bad th- bad reading and, and the furore, sticking to reading my books. Um, uh, I've just finished a really good Vonnegut novel, which was really good, highly recommended. Uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, for those that are interested. And also, I've been watching a hell of a lot of movies, which is nicely relevant for today's episode. Yes. How about you, Jimbo? How is lockdown part three, lockdownia, been treating you? Um, lockdown three has been uh, it's been a mixed bag, as I said last time. Um, my mum passed away in early January, but I'm back in work now on a part-time schedule or schedule, however you wish to say that word. Um, so I'm just kind of adapting to the new normal really or what will be the new normal for me but and like you I guess it has made me um retreat into into movies a bit more especially with the nights being dark and cold and um we've both done something similar recently haven't we which I is was going to say movies actually means a different thing for us at the moment doesn't it it means marvel <laughs> but okay so yeah. I should explain that I've got Disney plus which my great mate Jimbo sorted me out with a free trial from what I think it was your phone provider whatever could be who knows um and I know that I've only got a limited time with Disney plus left so I was like <laughs> right I can watch all of these um, Marvel movies in 4K. So basically, I've just been watching nothing but Marvel, which has skewed my movie brain a little bit. Um, but you know, it's it's not been it's not been that bad. They're, they're a mixed bag, but when they're good, they're good. I don't mind them. As much as I like comic books and I, I like my superhero stuff, I don't think I could do all seven trillion marvel movies in in there in sequence Uh, my wife and i dabbled in a bit of phase one we we left off iron man 2 and the incredible hulk i think uh and thought we'd jump in two-footed for phase two and then i remembered that had the majority of the marvel movies that i don't like so it's been a slog but you know (laughs) in the the, um spirit of keeping things positive um Guardians of the Galaxy was still good. Uh, Winter Soldier was still fantastic. And I liked, uh, what's it called? Guardians Volume 2 
a little bit more than I did when I saw it in the cinema. So there same, you go. Same, because we saw that together at the cinema, didn't we? We did. And, we were um, both as restless as each other in that yeah, hour movie. Well, and also, fortunately, we didn't even stay for all of the end credits. What's there, like, four? No, we'd had enough. Four end sequences. And so that was all new to me watching that on the thing. I was like, oh. <laughs> me too. I said, <laughs> didn't know I any said, of that happened. <laughs> no, I said to my wife afterwards, I said, I just feel four is a little bit over overdoing it's, it. You know? I said to you, Bex had, Bex had walked off. She Once she'd seen <laughs> the first one and it was into the main title crawl, quite rightly, she was like, yeah. oh, we're done with this. She's off. Yeah. So I had to call her back. Over. So she watched that bit begrudgingly from the door as well, not enjoying it, went off again and I had to call her back again. And she's like, are you joking? I was like, no, seriously, they're still going. They're still and the fact they're only like 10, 15 seconds long, make, <laughs> it's, it's almost more insulting that way, isn't it? You get up, you're comfortable, you're off, you know, you're ready to go. No, you've got to sit back down again. No, up again. It's, it's like mass. It's really like, it's like Catholic mass. It's, <laughs> it's a aerobic workout. Lots yeah. of ups and downs. So yeah, yeah um, my 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 lockdown three has been a, a mixed bag and just just getting on with the new normal, I suppose. So following on from our uh, little blurb about uh, Marvel movies, there, this topic, as we said the last time round, is going to be a bit of an overarching one. Um, we'll we'll talk about specifics uh, of various things as we, as we go through in future episodes. But this one is just going to be about movies and film, why we love them, what they mean to us, and, and how they've helped us through our moments of need, really. Absolutely, yeah. The, despite that intro, this is not a Marvel episode. We're <laughs> done yet. with Marvel. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get the ball rolling. I'm just going to kick you off, Jimbo. Tell us some of your fondest memories of movies and film. Well, I would say... My, well, I don't know if it's a fond memory, but it's definitely an early memory, um, and it does centre around um, you know my my favourite film franchise, that being Star Wars. Uh, when I was a young nipper, probably I don't know, I want to say maybe five or six years old. So we're talking the mid eighties here. I'll be generous to myself. Um, Star Wars was on TV. I imagine I'd probably recorded it on VHS, and I was, remember sitting down in the front room. Uh, watching it on TV when there was a knock at the door and uh, I went to open the door and um, a couple of policemen were stood outside and I obviously wondered what the hell was going on and they asked to see my mum and my mum came to the door and you know they were having a little chat and then she said to me uh, just go and wait outside a moment I need to talk to, to the police and uh, I took her literally so I went out the front door, shut it behind me and um, was peering in through the front window, standing on the flower bed, watching, uh, watching R2-D2 traverse his way through the uh, desert of, on Tatooine as the Jawas jumped out and, uh, and kidnapped him. And I, I mean, literally speaking, th that is correct. You, you were told to go outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, like when my mum opened the door and saw me sort of peering in through the flower bed, I think she thought it was some kind of uh, tiny person uh, peeping tom or something like that peering in through the window and when she realized it was me she was like what are you doing i said well, you told me to wait outside she said i meant in the kitchen or in your bedroom or something like that so i imagine that uh i don't know why the police came around that day i imagine so you still probably... you've still to this day don't know what the police visit was around no but it was at that well time you were sent it... out of the room for a reason right for a reason yeah i mean yeah. i imagine you know it being the the mid 80s it was probably some Probably some filthy pe uh, pedo was driving around the village, wasn't he, trying to entice all the young kids? So I endangered, <laughs> yeah, I endangered I myself even more by waiting outside. I was, I was ready and waiting for, 
for quite a horrific encounter. Um, yeah, so I imagine the police probably thought, you know, great, what's, we'll, we'll come round again with a social worker. This woman uh, makes her makes her kids stand outside in the cold. Yeah, she probably went straight onto some kind of list. Yeah, probably. So yeah, that's definitely one of my earliest movie memories, if not a fond one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, they don't specifically have to be fond. <laughs> I think we went with early, didn't we? So, so for my one, really, this was. Uh, a more overarching sort of how I my birth into um, films, if you like, and we're not being allowed to watch 15s or 18s at home. My mum was pretty liberal uh, in many ways, certainly in, in later life. Anyone that knows yeah. her would know that she was pretty laid back. But when we were nippers, um, you know, well, before the age of um, these certifications, we weren't allowed to watch any 15s or 18s at home mm-hmm. at all. No way. Same. Forget about it. And, you know, in, in a way, that's what these um, um, certificates are for, right? Damn so, your mother for being I know, parent. exactly, for being a responsible parent. But I remember that that sort of forced it into, like, an illicit underground operation to, um, to go and get your fix of these films because yeah. you were out on your bike. They didn't know where you were going. Mostly, this is the 80s. They didn't, you just did what you wanted, didn't you? They, yeah. they, you left the house with a bike and or football, and it was like, as long as you're home for tea, that's fine, isn't it? Well, Stranger Things is basically a documentary of kids in the 80s, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Didn't do us any harm, did it? No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just thinking thinking back as to, you know, the sort of social aspect of um, being sharing movies with people as well for the first time. Yeah. So I'd end up like, I'd make um, Stephen Ship for those that are <laughs> rose green aficionados. Um, and he was my hookup for sort of um, violent films. That's where I'd go and watch things like, first time I saw Robocop, uh, and Terminator yeah. and ultra-violent things, and he had a good stash of that. And then also um, a, a, a family, um, good friends of ours, the Arnolds, well, all of these are walkable as well, so, you know, it was easy there. And their their parents would rent anything, you know, they did not mind. They're not saying they're bad parents, they're excellent parents, but, yeah, <laughs> if you wanted to 18s and horror, that was your go-to. You could go there and get your horror, and that was like, you know, getting to share... Um, a shared watching experience and also it felt naughty I felt like I was being so, yeah. you know the, the forbidden fruit and uh, all of that sort of stuff um, yeah Hellraiser 2 and various things like that that was the first place that I saw them yeah I had a I had a couple of hookups for movies like that as well because we we never had Sky TV yeah and same, same we only there. had the one VCR in the house so I was reliant on my friends that you know had two VCRs and could record tape to tape of whatever video nasty they'd got. And um, a friend of mine in a tiny little uh, village in Dorset called Morden, uh, it's just like, I don't think there's even road names in this place. That's how small it is. So obviously there's all sorts of crime going on there. Um, my mate Darren lived there and his, uh, he, his brother used to get hold of all the, all the, you know, the videotapes. He had a big box of um, Miami vice and he had the episode that was, cancelled um cancel had its airing cancelled after the hungerford shootings so that was like oh hot property this you know so watch that and like he's who i saw robocop nightmare on elm street um you know all those kind of ultra-violent uh 1980s movies commando uh was i saw with him uh god yeah all, all, all that sorts of thing i remember we watched the um tv movie of it's the one where tim curry is yeah, yeah. The, the clown. i watched that much younger than i should have definitely 
yeah right and it's pretty yeah pretty scary especially especially the bit you know towards the end where the group is uh linking hands and you know trying to i think that's doing some kind of chant or something to get rid of the thing um spoilers and i had to walk home from darren's house to my house and it's i was in the next village over it's probably like a mile and a half two mile kind of trip and it was a hot day and i remember i had like a shirt over a t-shirt i had it undone and that and the wind blew and it blew the open shirt into my hand just as i was thinking <laughs> of, of the clown grabbing the kid's Horrifying. hand i damn this shit oh, i damn this shit myself man i would have you know, had to run home to soil britches if I could have done, you know. But um and my other hookup for for naughty movies was was John Abbott. And if anybody uh of my age lived in in, in Litchit Matravers or Litchit Minster, um at the same time me would have would have known John and uh, would have known that he used to get his mum to record stuff off the adult channel and then distribute <laughs> it around the school programme. So our uh, that's a very strange hookup. That that that's one you don't think about too much is somebody's mum recording porn for them yeah yeah i think freud would have had a lot to say about most that. certainly <laughs> yeah yeah so i had my hookup for uh, violence in in darren in morden and i had, had my hookup for grammar which was uh, <laughs> <laughs> gore bless her gore bless her exactly um cool okay well that sort of leads in quite nicely to another sort of experience thing that i was talking of that i wanted to mention which is one for the dinosaurs and mm. and and anyone un under a certain age will think that we're talking crazy but the whole experience of the video shop the video store yes uh, and going there to get your vhs and the whole experience for those that are you know young enough they used to be a thing called blockbuster and and lots of independence where they had a whole shop full of videos and you went in there and chose it took it home watched it and brought it back again it's like a library it's going to be a foreign concept for you might have to go more recent than that it's like netflix fred let's really bring it right yeah that's true yeah what's a fucking library man <laughs> <laughs> But it, it sort of um, focused your attention. And also, um, for me, being not allowed to watch these 15s or 18s, they, it wasn't like the, the, the 18 section was separated off in a seedy little area. No, not like you see in the American No, yeah, where they, exactly, you know... exactly. You could just watch. You didn't have to show ID to get into the 18. So wow. I was happy enough just going and looking at the... The covers the back of the box and yeah. read in the back of the box and you felt like um really really exciting even if it's something that you hadn't seen and you know obviously that kind of imagery of um things you weren't allowed to watch was also super exciting but obviously you couldn't spend too long there because i knew that i wasn't going to be allowed to get any of them and yes. you're on the clock aren't you when you get in there. hell yes yeah. probably parking on double yellows yeah exactly that parents are either outside looking at the watch uh, parked illegally or they're yeah. even more annoyed looking at you like come on yeah and and that was it it was you went in there and what they had was what they had you know it made you yeah. be a bit more decisive even if you had something in your head you know they had that many copies uh, yeah, it was the yellow box of disappointment, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you used to walk in because it had the all the tape cases would have the artwork, usually the poster artwork, so you knew what it was and what you were looking for. And especially if it was a new movie, they'd only have like three copies of it or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And if you got there too late, you just got the the placeholder box. It's damn and oh, it's, it's so upsetting. It burst your bubble as well, didn't it? It was just like oh, did. oh okay, well that's it. They don't have that. One to plan yeah. B. Well, we used to have a couple of independent stores 
local to us. Uh, and one was called, one was called Flix and one was called Superflix. <laughs> and I, and they were on, they were on the same promenade, like only wow. maybe six shops apart from each other. And I genuinely, with all my heart, hope that Flix came first because if they turned up after Superflix <laughs> and, and felt mm, we're intruding here, perhaps we should, you know, we should play our quality down a little bit and just call ourselves Flix. And that's quite the, the morale that they need to have boosted. Were they spelled exactly the same as well? FL? Absolutely the same. It wasn't X or CKS? No, it, it was proper, it was proper F-L-I-C-K-S. Wow. So yeah, it was, yeah. And um, again, you know, we were members of both. So you could go in one, you know, if you didn't have what you wanted one, you'd go in the other. But they were also, um, I can say this now, as neither of my parents are still with me, but they were also what made me play, uh, I want to say truant, but, you know, I would go all Ferris Bueller and pretend to be ill, you know, like put, lick your hands to the warm, put my head like right under a pillow so I get like a really warm forehead. Thermometer on the lamp, all of that. Sort all of sorts of stuff. You know, my mum my worked at the primary school that I, I went to, so I had to really pull it out of the bag. But yeah, if I was ill, I was allowed to have, you know, like a, a video from Flix or Superflix. And one of them, who knows which, would do five movies for five nights for five quid that, i mean that's so that was good. great you that's know, good you really. had to play it for the week you had to play it for the week you had to lick in your hands every day i probably got all manner of diseases as a kid <laughs> yeah. dirty hands but uh yeah i remember seeing the princess bride for the first time on, on vhs and you know all kinds of great great films by doing that um but staying on on uh video shops many years later when i was a uh, an 18 year old knobhead let's just put it that way um to be really cool and alternative to the rest of the kids. A friend of mine at the time, we used to go down um, what was then Blockbuster because Flix and Superflix had been put out of business by Blockbuster. Turn up. Yeah. We used to turn up and just rent the worst movies we could find there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, video stores were great for that. And I still, every now and then, will try and watch a bad movie on something like Netflix or Prime. Oh yeah, you, you're preaching to the choir there. I am <laughs> a connoisseur of absolute cack, it's fair to say, yeah. <laughs> Connoisseur of CAC. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so the watching at home experience now is, is very different, I guess. And one bonus is that you're pretty much guaranteed a much better viewing experience because now it's all sort of 4K or quality streaming from Disney or Netflix. And in the days of uh, Blockbuster or Flix and Superflix battles and third generation pirate video from your mates down the road, it was very much a game of chance, wasn't it? Even if you were getting a copy from a video shop, sometimes it would be you know, too badly used or the tracking yeah, would be too off. Yeah, worn and out. And if you're recording off the TV and it's something you wanted to keep, you need to remember to to break the tab. Yes, very like key. The, the, the plastic yeah. tap, otherwise, you know, your dad would record World of Sport or whatever <laughs> over the top of uh, top, over the top of the Templar Doom. On that note, actually, and linking back into Star Wars, I never saw... Well, I never saw Empire Strikes Back in the cinema and I don't remember seeing it on, on telly as a kid. But my mum worked at a playgroup and a, uh, someone she worked with there said, oh, you know, James likes Star Wars. Would you like to borrow Empire Strikes Back? And at this point, I know, I'm sure I must have seen Return of the Jedi as well. Because by the time Empire was on telly, Jedi would, have, would definitely have been out in, in, in the cinema. So I in, have, in effect, got the full story of, of Luke Skywalker, just not the middle section. <laughs> I remember quite, getting, quite yeah. a key section. Yeah, but, you know... You, the bits that are revealed in, in Empire are referred to in Jedi. So, you sure, know, sure, you would yeah. have thought if I was paying attention and was a reasonably intelligent child, I would have been able to piece it together. But um, I remember watching Empire 
loving the snow battle on Hoth and you know all the 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 bits with Yoda and all that sorts of stuff and then it getting to I guess what must have been 15 minutes towards the end and these people that lent us the tape obviously didn't break the plastic tab off because somebody had recorded over the final 15 minutes of Empire with Alice in Wonderland the animated movie which means those final 15 minutes (laughs) I I didn't get the big reveal of, of Luke's lineage right so I didn't piece it together. One of the together. biggest reveals of, of cinema end. history. Oh, of all time. Of all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I only found out. <laughs> yeah, I only found out in the early 1990s, maybe 1991, <laughs> when I bought Empire Strikes Back with some pocket money on video cassette. Um, bought it on widescreen, even though we didn't have a widescreen TV back then. And I played it and, I, and my mind was blown. It was like fresh information. Because back then I didn't have Return of the Jedi on, on, uh, on VHS. I didn't, you know, so I just watched it when it came on the telly. So when I popped in this video thing and watched it, those final 15 minutes was, felt like new information. And suddenly, <laughs> uh, suddenly this big reveal that everybody has known for a decade finally seeped into my poor little brain. <laughs> I, I hope you fed back to the person that gave you the copy saying, look, you need to stop giving this to kids because you're yeah. just giving them massive disappointment and yeah. lingering sadness. <laughs> um, okay, so another thing that I was thinking about when we were talking about our, our early sort of fond film memories and, and, and that kind of thing was watching back films that I was allowed to watch mm-hmm. but didn't really fully understand when I was a yep. kid, still like them. And I think um, a good example of this was Ghostbusters for me. Yeah. I When I watched that as a kid, I thought that was a straight action movie slash horror film. I, I thought it was terrifying. The, the ghost mm-hmm. in the library absolutely terrifying yeah no i'm, I'm with you I there buddy had Still no, yeah i had no idea that that was a comedy i get nostalgia all. scares from that movie <laughs> yeah i genuinely had no idea uh, that that was that was a comedy at the time and i think the thing is um you, you remember that um we had the cartoon the real ghostbusters yeah right? yep and Loved i it. sort of conflated the two because i was a child and didn't and i would have been watching the real ghostbusters more than i watched yeah. Ghostbusters the movie and yeah. also they had the toys and all of the toys yes. were the real Ghostbusters right yes and they, they was, were, it was all know, it was cartoon yeah um and based on those characters um so yeah I it, it was only when I re-watched Ghostbusters many years later that I even realized that it was a comedy it, it had two completely different meanings and, exactly the same and back uh, back then as well it was the films that you found the dearest were the ones that did have the merch that you could play either with figures in the case of Ghostbusters and your Star Wars and things like that, or just as you know, yourself with your imagination, you know, Indiana Jones, of course you could, you could be Indy, you could be tumbling down your stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Roll a laundry basket down on its side behind you. You know, when you say about Indy, I used to love Temple of Doom, which is so weird now because of the original three, it's my least favorite, but um, I, And I don't think this ever happened in the movie. I had a little cowboy hat, didn't have the proper fedora, but I made my mum cut a sleeve off an old shirt so I could be like (laughs) Indy when he's on the bridge. But I used to half fill a bath and jump in the bath fully clothed. And right. fill out, but Indy (laughs) never fell in the water. Do you know what I mean? He he wasn't there with the crocodiles and, you know. So, yeah, I used to have great fun playing that. And actually that set me up for a fall some years later because a friend of mine, my childhood best friend, he he loved Grease, the movie Grease. Wow. Okay. And he, I know, right? Um, 
and he used to watch it all the time. He had the soundtrack and he used to style his hair like Danny Zuko. He was blonde. I was, I was, you know, dark haired. So if anything, I should have been the lead, right? Absolutely, he should have been yeah. Nicky. And um, yeah, we, he, I had a new jacket and one day he was like, oh, we're going to be T-Birds. And he got like a silver marker pen <laughs> and wrote, you know, T-Birds on the back of our jackets. And I got, I knew my mum was going to go batshit because this is a brand new jacket. And uh, I kind of rolled it up and put it under my arm. And I'd assured his mum that it would be fine. We can draw on these jackets. As soon as I got home, my mum was like, show me your jacket. And I was like, oh, proper oh, in the shit. Busted. My mum was four foot 11. She, you know, I was probably taller than her even at that age. But uh, yeah, I was like, I knew I was in trouble that day. She just had a look that just, you know. I mean, are we talking like a couple of days brand new? Like, yeah, it was like oh, maybe like a week, week new or something. Oh, it was, you know, dear, yeah, exactly. Dearie me. Yeah. So yeah, movies that you can play got me in trouble, man, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, um, you know, like we were saying before, it, it's kind of just marketing that was an ideal time. It was the perfect storm in the 80s, wasn't it? It, was... it, it is. And I've just remembered something about Ghostbusters. My friend Darren, the ultra-violent movie hookup, yeah, he had this really awesome garden. It kind of went up, just like this really, it was like a hill, basically, in his back garden. So we used to, you know, run up and down it and play and all that sorts of stuff. And he'd seen Ghostbusters a lot more than me. So he was constantly saying, oh, you know, we're going to fight the Marshmallow Man, all that sort of thing. Don't cross the streams, don't cross the streams, meaning with yeah. the, the proton guns, photon, proton guns, weren't they, those ones? I had maybe seen Ghostbusters once or twice by this point. So I was trying not to jump over this little river stream that was by it. <laughs> don't again, cross the stream. Don't yeah. cross the stream. I've taken people literally again. Yeah, it's my I mean, mother, it's Darren. <laughs> you, I mean, you're technically correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well. And, Why did it make things so confusing? The, the consequences were pretty dire as well, weren't they? That was what exactly. they were intonated. You must have been thinking, my God, what's the <laughs> other side of these streams? What has he got down there? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, my last one on this really was um, doing, I, I was just going to run through some of the times I've actually been to the cinema for special occasions, special treats. Mm. And the one of the first ones that I remember about this was the, um, not the first original Batman, not the 60s um, Batman, Batman the movie, um, but our original Burton Batman, you know, just Batman yeah. 89, right? And um, what they did was at my junior school, we had a special night where um, they'd closed the school off. I mean, it was in the evening, so obviously the school was closed anyway, but they opened yeah. up the assembly hall and set a projector up and a, a screen big enough. Um, and they they screened a slightly edited version of Batman because I, I would have yeah. been at that age, nine, when that came out. Yeah, and, and it was that, the first 12. Batman was the first 12. Yeah. Um, it, that they'd ever done, wasn't it? That was the first yeah, ever. First yeah, 12 in UK. So, um, yeah. so yeah, they'd done a cut version of that and, and we were allowed to go along to it. And it was just so exciting it was um you know it was something that was really yeah. meant for me i was absolutely obsessed with batman I had a jumper yeah me too the whole works novelization yeah. and that was just yeah it was just absolutely like oh wow we couldn't yeah i'm, I'm with you on that battery actually was the, it was a 15 on vhs when it came out because i didn't have 
12 oh, yeah, in the cinema. This is useless information I, I hold in my head. You know, can't remember what day of the week it is, but I can tell you that a movie that was released 32 years ago was different certificates. But I, I mean, to like, be you, fair, nobody can remember what day of the week it is. No, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I mean, I, I was like you, but we went on holiday to, to Yorkshire um, the year Batman was released. And um, I, you know, the whole summer of Batman thing was going on. And I've got a photo of me at... Um, Olsen Towers, it must be. And I'm there in my bootleg Batman t-shirt that my mum's bought for me at the, the market before we went to Olsen Towers. Stood there with you know, a super happy grin on my face as I'm holding this ice cream cone that's probably as big as my torso kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I loved it. I, was, I, was, I really wanted to see it in the cinema, but my mum wouldn't take me to see it because it was a 12 and I was 10. Yeah, would you, could you have still got in with a parent? I, I'm not sure. I can't remember, to be you honest. Know, I never did it because, obviously, we, we had it screened for us just down the road. Yeah, I think I first... I must have seen it. Ironically, I think I saw it on VHS when it, when it was released. I think they were happy to buy it for me as a 15 so I could watch it at home with their right. supervision than, you know, be sent off with me, mate to the cinema for a couple of hours whilst they did the shopping you know I suppose um, also if they wanted to they could watch it before you watched it that's the yeah, other they would have had no interest in that they barely would have paid attention. <laughs> they'd have just given it to you anyway <laughs> my dad would have read the paper and my mum would have gone that's nice dear um but that does lead me on as well to talking about when star wars uh the sequels came out in 20, 2015 I love that experience of, of the build-up, the trailer and the new cast and some of the older characters coming back and that excitement I had going into that cinema. It genuinely took me back to being five, six years old and watching Star Wars, you know, as, as a kid. Uh, I loved it, that opening fanfare, the opening crawl on the screen. You know, it helps, obviously, Force Awakens is quite a nostalgia-based movie. And, yeah, absolutely. But they did, I think, what they needed to do to reset the, the, the cinematic universe for, for Star Wars there. I loved it, really enjoyed it, had a great time. And um, Well, we all had a nice day out, didn't we? We, all... we did, yeah. We was there with, with you, your wife, my wife as well, Ellie. Um, just had a great it was just a great experience for me and real excitement and it made star wars something for me uh to really look forward to of all those releases i'd had that with the prequels uh, and at the time with the prequels i was probably disappointed with them or they weren't what i had in my head for a decade and a half you know and they never would be you know it's not my story to tell yeah and i think as well actually speaking of kind of memories with it i i have um, really fond memories again to the cinema with my mum and dad um, as, a, as a child, you know, and also as an adult, um, they became ill between eight and 10 years ago. They both uh, had different types of dementia or were diagnosed at that time. And I probably went to the cinema a fair bit more with them. They wanted to go and see The Wrestler, which I think is such a random wow, choice yeah. of movie for them. You know, um, Yeah, not exactly light, is it? No, fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they really enjoyed it. So I took them to the little... Uh, art house theater near us because i knew they'd be you know a bit smaller and a bit more calmer than a multiplex for them and that was great and also i knew that um i knew that mum and dad when they uh when they first started dating they went to see zulu and that was one of their first dates and because mum had a strict you know um curfew time they had to leave the cinema early oh wow so they missed they missed the end of zulu like empire strikes back all over again before, sorry, not all over again. It's it's like poetry. It's, it's like the Star Wars trilogy. Think <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they never saw the end of Zulu. And obviously, it wasn't really 
you know, repeated. So they went to the cinema once, didn't see the ending, never knew how the film ended. So when I, you know, had a job with my first job with a sort of a decent income, I bought them a DVD player and I bought them a stack of movies. And one of those movies was Zulu. And I was really pleased to be able to enable them to watch the movie they never, you know, never finished. Hi, James here. We're just taking a moment to refresh and reset. So whilst we do that, I just want to take a moment to give you a couple of recommendations that tie in with this week's theme. So as we're talking about movies this week, I was going to recommend to you all that you check out Soul on Disney+. Plus. Beautifully animated, fantastically good-looking movie. It's funny and it's heartwarming. And if you can give it 90 minutes, two hours of your time, I'm sure you'll have a great evening. Check it out and enjoy. Okay, so after that little nostalgia fest and trip down memory lane, let's move on to the next section. We're going to talk about how it is that movies make you happy specifically. And I'm going to kick that straight over to you, Jimbo. Cool. Um, well, I just love the escapism, really, that um, movies give me. Uh, the last 14 years, really, uh, with my mum being ill and everything that came after that. It's been a pretty t- uh, trying time. So to have the ability to just get a couple of hours where you're not in the real world is is a much uh, welcome thing. You know, whether that be, uh, you know, escaping with space wizards to face the evil empire or, you know, movies from my childhood, new movies, whatever. I just love that moment where you can just pause the real world and press play on a on a good movie. That's kind of it for me on that, I think. Yeah, and you, you have a tendency to uh, go back to uh, known territory, don't you, when you're looking for... It It depends on the mood. Um, if my wife always says she knows when I'm having really bad days um, or bad moments because I, I will retreat to the familiar and, you know, she'll, <laughs> she'll know that I'm watching a lot of like the Star Wars trilogy or whatever, you know, she'll, or, I mean, not just necessarily the movies, but, you know, the cartoons and the spin-off TV shows, whatever. Um, I kind of escaped to that because <laughs> I came to the realization that other than my immediate family, my longest relationships have been with the characters of the original <laughs> Star Wars trilogy. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, you know, without wanting to sound like a wanker about it, it, it is in a way like going to see, you know, f- friends in a way, you know, it, it, or certainly the familiar, they're just characters um, that mean a lot to me. Their Their journeys throughout those movies either resonate or warm my heart or make me laugh or yeah and good wins over evil you know do you know what Mm. i mean if you if you're facing some bad times in real life it's always good to see something bad be triumphed over um on the flip side of that though if i'm having times where i feel frustrated perhaps things aren't going right i will i won't want to sit with the familiar i want something new to feel that at least some part of my life is moving forwards Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I feel exactly the same. If I'm yeah. if I'm having a down day, um, and and sometimes this doesn't work because uh, you, if you haven't seen a film, you're not sure what the tone's going to be, and yeah. it, it can end up. I, I will admit, sometimes I put something on hoping I'll try something new. It's something that I have to I have to think about a bit more because I don't know it, if you see what I mean. So you invest a bit more time in it. But also, yeah, so I have ended up turning things off because they're a bit too maudlin. Um, 
for a bad mood and I didn't know that yeah and just not the right vibe just the, uh, yeah that's it but I, I always feel like when I've watched something new it seems like a miniature achievement as well it's like I can <laughs> I can go and rate it on IMDb, IMDb. yeah yeah, I've, yeah I tick it off the list it might have been on my watch list as well so it's almost like doing something on your to-do list yeah absolutely and all you've got to do is sit there and hopefully enjoy a film because most of the things on my watch list are things that I think I'm going to enjoy he- yeah. the whole reason and having a watch list but I feel like it, even if I'm going to achieve nothing else that day because my mind's not in the mi- right mindset if I watch something new it almost feels like I've done something a bit yeah. more do you see what I mean I do I do and I think for me as well sometimes as we as I mentioned last episode about sometimes needing to embrace those bad days and just ride them out or, or find something to trigger it much like with, with, with music. Sometimes I'm, if I know there's a film that is going to help me focus in on the emotional aspect and get either those tears out, that frustration out, whatever, sometimes I will use movies for that. That's probably less frequent than, you know, retreating to the, to the known or into the, the unknown to progress uh, something. But yeah, I just, it's just that escapism of of just so like I say, pause in the real world, and at the moment, pressing pause on the real world feels like a really welcome thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so escapism actually makes both of our lists for this one yeah. as uh, uh, from the top. What have you got next then? Um, I also like the window into other cultures that that movies give me, and um, that doesn't they don't always have to be about places that I am particularly interested in going to um I I have a real fondness uh for for Japan uh, and and Hong Kong you know and Hong Kong I'd love to go to Japan I'm less interested in going to, to Hong Kong for some reason I have no idea why but I love movies from both of those places as a late teens, I got into the John Woo action movies, you know, The Killer, Hard Boiled, Better Tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, and I just I just loved the way the, those movies looked and the cool characters and just the attitude of those movies. And also I got into anime, you know, I always want to see Fist of the North Star. There's always a movie that I heard about, you know, from a, a, a young age and you know, I guess in the early 90s, your only way really of seeing anime uh, was either cropped, edited VHS from HMV or staying up late at night to watch something on Channel 4. Um, so I, I loved all of that. It's just something totally alien. It was different to what you would get from a Western uh, movie production. Um, also things a bit closer to home, like um, The Commitments was a great uh, gateway for me into exploring Irish movies or uh, you know things like the rest of the Barrytown trilogy with Colin Meaney you know playing Jimmy Rabbit and things like that I loved that felt very home to me because my mother's side of the family was Irish so it felt like a connection with family that I didn't get to see um yeah I just it's just it's such a window into something outside I mean I've said to you before that my my favorite scene in in Star Wars is Luke standing out looking at the twin sons and Tatooine you know looking looking for adventure looking for something different trying to escape his you know shitty little farming planet um and for <laughs> me you know it's true though like yeah, for me yeah, yeah I was would stand you know uh, you know in the park or staring out a bedroom window looking at the horizon wanting to be somewhere else in a, in a place that I didn't feel like I fitted in and and movies gave me that escape you know so yeah and into different cultures and wondering what japan looks like and wondering what you know 
Canada looks like, or even when not necessarily a movie, but when you watch Baywatch as a kid, you're like, that's what you think California is. And, yeah, you know, and I got yeah, to go yeah. to California and find out it's so much more. So, you know, I love, I love that. It's just the, the window into, into other cultures, really. Yeah, um, we match up on this one as well. I, I've sort of put it down as a, a way of traveling, you know, without leaving home. Yeah. Um, which at the moment is ideal <laughs> as well, because no one's fucking going anywhere, whether they like it or not. Very COVID compliant. Well done. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's the safest way of traveling at the moment. <laughs> um, and I even, we have done quite a lot of extensive traveling. I've been lucky enough that that was one of the main things that uh, my wife and I sort of bonded over. And we've done quite a few trips, South America and Asia, I've been to Japan and things like that. But even if it's somewhere that you've been, it's still a very nice nostalgic thing. You know, I know that Bex the other day was watching uh, The White Tiger that's on Netflix at the moment. And she was like, oh, I just, just transported me back to being in India. Um, but yeah, that's what, what I, another thing that I like about it, same as you, is uh, even if it's a country that I've been to, it gives you a strong nostalgia of, yeah. of the culture. Um, and you know, you feel like you've been immersed in something. Even if it's a foreign film, you end up having to 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 read it with subtitles. You can still feel like you're part of a place, and almost, yeah. you know, it's like a cheap way of almost going there. <laughs> and um, and also, in addition to that, I see it almost not only physical travel, but a, a time traveling device. Right? Mm. You can have really well done period stuff that can, can can transport you. But I actually find it um, even better when I'm watching things from the 30s and 40s that were made contemporarily. Yeah. Um, and even the, the style of the acting and things like that. And you feel like, you know, a part of a different culture in that sense as well. And just how, yeah. how things used to be. Usually I will admit that these are more American films rather than um, foreign films. But yeah, I, I, see it as, um, I see it as being able to transport me both physically to places and, and and to a different time and make you feel uh, a little bit part of that i know what you mean i think things like the laurel and hardy movies do that for me and I, watching the stan and ollie movie um with, mm. with steve coogan in it i i thought that did that so well it, it really took you know not say took me back to the 30s i wasn't alive then, but <laughs> yeah. it, you know it, it really helped me picture the scene and even things like um animated movies like the the secret of kells Mm, right yeah. it's a it's a mythology but yeah. the the art is so wonderful the animation is so wonderful the style of it it, it references the actual book of kells so beautifully absolutely um okay so my next one is um just the the scope of um what cinema can offer you in terms mm. of an art form right so you know i'm, I'm into as i was saying old older movies, hard-boiled things, even silent movies, German expressionism. You've got, you know, I don't mind weird stuff like Jodorowsky, Alex Cox, Peter Greenway. But even, you know, you can have things that are abstract and weird that are really fun and fantastical and completely uh, unrealistic. But you can have things that are gritty realism. You know, you think of Scorsese and things like that, which are still amazing. And um, this is the same art form as well, you know, and all the way through to like even Adam Sandler comedies I can enjoy for what they are. And it's all comes under this one umbrella of film. And um, 
yeah, it it can be it's so widely scoping. I think I think that's one of the things that I really love. Well, I, about I've it. got a pretty broad taste in movies as well, Fred. As you know, I like both DC and Marvel movies, and, <laughs> you do, yeah. and Star Trek and Star Wars. So yeah, yeah that's uh, true. That's true. You I like paint all with broad the stars. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. That's that's good. I mean, I. Yeah, I got into like the trauma movies and stuff. If you want to talk about the ridiculous, you know, the B mm. movies are just as valid to me as, sure. you know, some wonderful A-list tentpole marquee movie. Um, yeah, I can even and, get I can even get great kicks out of um, a really schlocky B, 50s B movie sci-fi. Yeah, you know? there's right. still, yeah. still lots to take from it. Yeah, I think one of the escapes I love with movies is just, uh, is the comfort I get of just sitting on the sofa with my wife Ellie and just watching movies. Um, we'll often vary between a you know a new TV show uh, or or a movie, but it's just having that time with her. It gives us both an excuse to sit and just be with each other rather than you know worry about anything else that's going on in the world. And there are so many movies that she has not seen. I, I honestly at times wonder. It, if she was allowed to go to the cinema uh, or to watch films. I don't think she'd seen Aliens before we got together. I don't think she'd seen, I want to say she'd seen Terminator, but I mean, I'm not sure. It's things like she hadn't seen Bill and Ted and there's a load of Tarantino stuff she hadn't seen. Luckily, she had seen Star Wars, so she, we were allowed to Just about to date. Right past um, the test then. Yeah, you know, um, she hasn't quite taken to um, some of the animated stuff or uh, the early DC superhero stuff from the seventies. Um, <laughs> you, you just got to keep trying. That's well, the, she, she doesn't want to sit down. Yeah, I know she does. She insists on resisting uh, the temptation of watching the three hour Superman cut, but I'll get her <laughs> one day. I'll get her one day. Um, yeah. For me, that's just the joy of just being able to just to sit with her. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to share something that you know well, and you, it's almost like a, um, a new viewing for you as well, isn't it? When you get yeah, to share I'll, something I'll with someone. Yeah, I'll share it with her whether she wants me to or not, Fred. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I do exactly the same with Bex, <laughs> as you well know. Uh, okay, so my next one on the list of why I like movies is um, the self-contained nature of the storytelling, right? Rather than being stuck into an ongoing series, of which there are many, um, and people like them, but to me, that's just like... a 25 hour movie and i like to be able to just sit down watch it as i was saying earlier tick it off my watch list yeah rate it on, on imdb move on with my life and have it you know a story told to me in that succinct form and all contained in one night you know I, and obviously i enjoy reading books as well a, a great deal but it's it's just quicker as well as quicker than me. You watch <laughs> three movies in the night. Efficient, Fred. Exactly. It's an efficient, no wasted time. It's a, a, an efficient, streamlined way of storytelling. Um, <laughs> and I like that. And, the, and even if it's not a, a resolution or it's open-ended, the piece is finished. You can then just go, right, take a step back. And usually the next day, Bex and I will have a chat about what we've watched the previous evening. And, you know, and it's finished. And you can go, like, that's it, done. Got it out of the way. Tick it off the list. Yeah. Well, carrying on really from your liking of the the storytelling you know uh, art form for me it's very similar I, I i refer to it as campfire storytelling it's my favorite movies my favorite movie going experiences are the ones that feel like they are being told from one generation to the next that kind of mythology fairy tale 
storytelling that that almost like world building i mean i, lo- I loved fairy tales as a kid you know um i used to go to sleep by mum and dad telling me stories of their childhood or you know relaying that to me and for me the movies that i resonate with the most re- retain elements of that um you know obviously the star wars is a mythology comic books are based ultimately on you know fairy tales mythology whatever you want to tell it um you know even things like i guess the exorcist plays into an element of i'm going to say mythology other people will call it religion um, the- theology theology let's call it that it's an ology anyway it's got an ology <laughs> i do like you know you know some serious movies things like you know argo which was obviously not mythology it's based on a true story fantastic but it still retains that element of something fantastic that would be told around the story you know a campfire of do you remember that time we busted those guys out of the embassy it's that it's that element of those movies um that i i love um yeah that's kind of it for me it's that it's the storytelling nature of when you boil it down take away any of the special effects or the you know cinematography what is it you're going to and you're going to to hear a story or see a story so yeah i love that bit of it yep and in in, in exactly the opposite of that <laughs> no not quite not quite <laughs> um i'm going to talk about all of the other bits and bobs which um which is another thing i like about film is the sort of collaborative nature of the art form not only of the people that work on set um because i have to I've done a bit of filmmaking myself as well. And that is nice when everyone's pulling in the same direction, but that's not really something you see on screen. I mean, um, you've, you've got picture in front of you that's been, mm-hmm. you know, lit perfectly yeah. and, and composed in a certain way, a beautiful visual aspect, almost, you know, in some ways as good as fine art mm-hmm. in some, some compositions. Yeah. But you've also got the writing and the storytelling, as you were saying, that's a, that's another aspect. So you've got that. You've also got performance from mm-hmm. actors, which in and of itself is an art form. And when it's done well, is absolutely brilliant. And without that, watching someone actually cry on screen is a very emotive thing. And when it's done well, mm-hmm. it can bring out such emotions in you just from relating to seeing a human face, if you see what I mean, in a way that yeah. you do perhaps in the book. Um, you've also got music, which is both a big art form for us that we're yeah. going to talk about in uh, upcoming episode, probably the next one. Um, but you've even got the aspects of things like the production design and how the sets are built and how things world building and, you know, um, designed features of even with space and stuff like that. If you're going doing any sci-fi, that's always amazing. Even down to like choreography, fight choreography, how things are shot with, um, and even, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for old Fred Astaire and things like that. And the dance choreography. Yeah. Again, it's Amazing. completely different art. And yeah, just the fact that you can have all of these art forms sort of crammed into one and not necessarily all at the same time. You know, mm. some movies have no real soundtrack and, and that's not a problem. It works for that. But you have this access to various different things. And when it's all put together, it's just a beautiful thing. And when they complement each other really well, yeah. the, a movie can make a... Uh, a, a piece of music means something different. Yeah, definitely. For, for example, we were watching, um, as you know, lots of Marvel, but we were watching <laughs> Captain Marvel. 
the soundtrack yeah. for that is brilliant because both Bex and I, 90s kids, it, it's meant for us. And um, the sequence where they play I'm Just a Girl by No Doubt, I'm going to admit I'm not the biggest No Doubt fan in the world. They weren't like, you know, they weren't really that cool were no. they, for, for, the, for the sort of thing we were into. But when that came on, and because I already knew that what the chorus was going to say, it made yeah. that scene just so perfect. I was almost welling up. I was almost choking yeah. up when she, no, when no, she finally mean. gets her powers in it. So I am just a big fight sequence to that. And I was just like, wow. I wasn't all of a sudden like, I need to go and buy some No Doubt, man. <laughs> I'm getting on that. But it just made that song, it, it's made its way onto a playlist because of that, because yeah. of the movie, not because of No Doubt. Yeah, no, no offense to No Doubt uh, or and any of their fans, you know. I don't think they're listening, Fred. It's okay. Um, but, you never know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Well, I think for me, like that kind of nicely sums it all up because all of that together, one of the things I love about movies and how they make me happy is that anticipation of going to the cinema. I still get that buzz. I get that excitement of the whole, you know, picking your seats when you buy your ticket, the the trip there. Is it going to be a good movie? Have you just wasted 15 quid, you know, or whatever it is to go and see? I love it. It's that it, it, as soon as I sit down in the cinema and, you, and it's a darkened room, I get that taken back to a childhood where they would start off with a couple of cartoons and mm-hmm. then you get the trailers yeah, and then you yeah, get the yeah. main movie that whole thing i, I think just, pixar still do that do they i think, I think they, they i haven't to be been honest, to i haven't been to watch pixar film in ages but i think they might still have shorts before yeah i would yeah they, i mean that's the last ones of theirs i went to the cinema before they did um but yeah it's that whole experience of just going and seeing it on a massive screen because i know tvs are getting bigger and i know that the clarity the definition on them is getting better with each generation of tv but I hope, I sincerely hope that after this whole pandemic is, is sorted out, that cinemas are still a relevant part of everyday life because they will be for me. And watching a movie for the first time on TV is nowhere near as immersive as watching it in the cinema. No, you know, this is how they were made to be watched. They, and you pay they, more attention, right? Because you can't play with your phone. You can't call someone. No one's going to knock on the door. The dog ain't going to bark. You have to pay attention to what's in front of you, good or bad. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And that's a big, big part of it. I love that anticipation and the feeling afterwards. That buzz of when you leave the cinema and you want to, you know, when's the safe point that you can talk to the people you're with about about the movie you've just seen, you know, and you know you can kind of tell the the vibe with the people. Like when we walked out of uh, of Force Awakens, everyone was really happy. When I walked out of Crystal Skull, the vibe was very different, you know. And people <laughs> yeah. want to talk about that stuff. Um, yeah, it's that whole thing, the whole package, the excitement. It's an event, you know, it's not something I do every week. We'll both be in the cinema as soon as we can be. Hi, James here once again with one more movie recommendation for you to time with this week's theme. I'm going to recommend you check out Brigsby Bear. It's well worth a look. It's funny, it's heartwarming, some really strong performances. Kind of went under uh, unnoticed and under the radar, but um, if you're a fan of feel-good movies, then check it out. So we know why we love movies. We're now just going to talk a little bit about which movies are your most important. And these aren't necessarily your favorite movies. We're talking about the ones that have had a big impact on your life. Let's kick that off with you, Jimbo. Yeah, I think really we've already talked about it. um, But Batman 89 uh, was a massively important uh, film for me. Uh, It's not necessarily one of my favorite movies. 
now uh, but you know as a kid it felt like um, a movie that belonged to our generation it was the first real event movie I remember happening um, it was the first movie I remember really being aware of the release of um, that got me excited it's basically you know marketing that did it so what i'm saying here really is it's a really effective marketing campaign aimed at kids and you know yeah it was, it was aimed really at us like i was saying we, yeah. we we even had this cut down version so that we could watch it as kids yeah you know, it, was, it was everything from you know the the seeing the batman t-shirts they were the coolest bit of apparel you could have that summer you know cool. yeah the new logo when she saw the the new logo was like wow i used to draw that on my books and yeah the, the trailer where it went around like the batman uh logo and the soundtrack the style of it the fact that there were toys the new suit the new batman the new suit, suit. i was just like the new batmobile yeah and i was i guess i was old enough to have watched the batman TV show reruns on Saturday mornings and this was some, so I was familiar with Batman and I'd read a couple of the you know younger age comics and stuff so I was very familiar with Batman but this looked like something different and this really you know hit, hit home as I say it was the first movie that I remember being really really excited about going to see months in advance you know it, it's it sort of sets the tone for every event movie I've been to see since. So that's why it's important to me. Okay. So my first one here, I'm going to go with um, Brazil, um, Terry Gilliam. Again, this is something that I caught later on. All of mine are before my time, but things that turned me on to things rather yeah. than, you know, um, going to the cinema or anything like that. Um, and this was just, it's the first Terry Gilliam film that I saw and it, it turned me on to Terry Gilliam, which, it, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Um, and it was just the first time that I'd seen sort of crazy design and, you know, this amalgamation of comedy, but serious social points. I've never and, seen Brazil. So yeah, you, you've not. Yeah. You, you need to, you need to get on that. I'll get, yeah. I would say I'd lend you my copy, but I've got a wanky overpriced criterion copy that is region one only that I now can't watch because I don't have a region no, one player. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that would be my, that'd be my first one, Brazil. All right, cool. I think for me, uh, Chasing Amy is a really important movie. Uh, I think I'd seen Clerks before Chasing Amy. I don't think I'd seen More Rats. But Chasing Amy was the first Kevin Smith movie I went to see in the cinema. Um, a girl I was dating with at the time, ironically, she was called Amy. Uh, she was studying in Manchester and we yeah, went to see it, I think, with a bundle of her friends. And um, I didn't know really what to expect from it. And I loved the humour. I loved the the casual conversation, the, you know, the dirty talk, the dirty jokes, you know, the, the cuss words. It It sounded like it could have been uh not written by me and my mates we weren't that imaginative but it was certainly the same kind of topics of conversation and things like that and also more importantly for me i think it was really the first i don't say romantic comedy aimed at guys but it was the first breakup movie i remember seeing aimed at guys and also i don't know i don't know how well it's aged for generations that have come since chasing amy I, i'm sure there are problematic um areas in it and you know i think kevin smith has, has said the same that you know it was written some 20 or 
25 years ago so times change he wouldn't write the same movie now but it was written from his personal experience you could tell it resonated with me it hit emotionally uh, i loved the characters i loved the fact it was all comic book based um i just it, it got it took me away from kind of just absorbing those mainstream blockbusters to seeing i say an indie movie i know it was by Miramax and they were owned by Disney at the time, but it's that kind of alternative movie, I guess I would say. I mean, I still um, think it comes you'd put still, it under I mean, the broader umbrella of an indie yeah, movie. I, yeah, I agree. So, agreed. Yeah, I, and I, I, I just love it. It's, it's, it's still one of you know, is one of uh, one of those important movies to me. That's also one of my favourite movies. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Swingers in the same, uh, same, uh, same sort of uh, breath as that, for similar reasons. And yes, like I say, the Chasing Amy Swingers, it just felt like they were they were movies that hit with me as a as a as a young adult male, um, it perhaps trying to find his romantic way in life and, and having some stumbling blocks at the time. Um Nailed yeah, it now just, though, haven't you? Oh I have. My <laughs> wife uh, my wife, God bless her, has has been with me for think 11 years this year so you think i like that yeah it is 11 years this year yeah, this is tango because this is 2021 isn't it 2021 yeah yeah so it's 11 years this year yeah um, i shouldn't be too smug we both forgot our um our wedding anniversary again this year <laughs> so, but i think the thing is if you both forget it it's all right absolutely fine it's a pass yeah exactly that's on as evening okay yeah. so uh my next one is easy rider um another movie i've not seen you've not seen that that's oh, no. a cool movie man we should uh, I'll, I'll get you on get on the case with these when we're able to see each other again yeah um this is a real straightforward one to be honest with you this was just a movie that we watched uh when we were partaking in social certain social activities <laughs> shall we say um and it was just something that got put on time and time again when we were all sitting around yeah. in our mid to late teens doing things that we probably shouldn't be doing uh, around Vegan activities right yeah yeah absolutely yeah. around people's houses yeah. when parents were away so yeah i always have fond memories of that and playing drinking games to it and other types of games involving other things apart from alcohol but yeah quite a straightforward one that's just a nice memory of hanging with mates and a, yeah. a window into a certain time of my life my misspent youth which then became my misspent adulthood <laughs> so yeah that's my that's my number four easy rider cool i i would think jaws is a really important movie for me um i don't know how old i was when i saw it i'm i'm sure i was younger than the age i should have been to see it i mean i know now it's like a i think it's a pg now uh jaws but i think at the time it was like a 15 or something um but i think it's one i watched with mum and dad um maybe on tv or something and i remember being scared, uh, you know, I would still class it as, as a horror, although I guess it's a thriller. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, monster it's, horror, I'd say. Monster yeah. horror, yeah, I'd say so. And I think it, I was amazed by the shark effects of the actual, you know, Bruce the shark, the, the mechanical shark. But I was more so amazed by the underwater shark photography, you know, the, the bits where they have the real shark in there from, from a distance um because this actually has kicked off quite a big shark movie obsession for you well and sharks in general like it i it was i didn't i I couldn't understand where the problem was with this shark 
right? The shark lives. <laughs> you shark you lives were on the, the shark water. side. I was. I was very nice. That one of the first movies uh, or first times in my life where I supported the antagonist. You know, I although I think it's the protagonist. I think uh, you know Brody and and uh, and the others are the, the antagonists in that movie. You know, the sharks doing what sharks do: swims in the water, eats things. Yeah, people get in the way. Ain't our habitat? It's not. Yeah, we are on his turf. They are on his turf. You know. Yeah. So when I saw, you know, when I saw it, it was obviously a scary, tense movie. But I felt sorry for the shark. And at school, we used to have like copies of National Geographic, and the only ones I'd ever read, and the only articles in the ones I'd ever read, were the ones that had sharks in them. I used to look at the pictures. You know, it's very much like I was mesmerized by the bit in the movie where. uh, the chief's wife uh, is looking through the book and she sees the, the underwater pictures of, of the shark up, up close. I was mesmerized by that. And in one of the National Geographics, um, there was that same picture or a similar one anyway. And it blew my mind and it really got me into reading about sharks, learning about sharks. It's something that, you know, if I wasn't so bone idle and lazy, I probably should have pursued as some you, you would career. Have been, you would have been a shark. I would have been a shark. If you yeah. could swim oh. better, you would have been if a shark. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, and also, but likely, like you say, it also turned me on to shark movies because, you know, Jaws has a number of sequels. It does. Jaws 2, we, we, Jaws 2 is a solid movie. I still yeah, say agreed, um, agreed. Jaws 3 is maybe not mm. so good, but I, mm. I enjoy the fan edit. Uh, Jaws 3 Monster, I enjoy that. Um, Jaws 4... Um, you know, I'm, I, let's just pretend that didn't happen. But even things like the Deep Blue Sea movies, I was ecstatic when I found out there was sequels to those movies. Yeah, and I'm blaming you for this as well because <laughs> I, was it three that you were like, yeah, there's a there's a third one. So, no, hang on. which which is the one with the mini sharks? Uh, that's two. Is that two? That's oh, two. Even so, that I was like, so come on, Jimbo. Number two is like set underwater. You know, obviously underwater, but they're in the same kind of setup as the first one, but. It has some wonderful comedy moments. I mean, I will say... When oh, is that the one where she's listening? She's watching The it, shark is listening, listening in, through yeah, the window. Listening to their plan <laughs> and changes its, plan, its uh, murderous yeah, plans accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that movie, but only because it's so ludicrous. Uh, and I will say I was absolutely smashed off my tits watching it. So it could have been different if I was sober. I'm just going to say... Um, my wife did not share your passion for that no. film when, I, when, I, when we watched it together. But No, she made that quite clear to me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I blamed you like, entirely for all of that. Yeah. I mean, things like, you know, The Meg is fine, but I would rather watch something, I'd rather watch something like Deep Blue Sea 2 or 3 where it's, it's low budget. They try, they do their best. They don't mm-hmm. take themselves too seriously than the Meg, which has all the money in the world and still manages to disappoint. I, I've still not seen the Meg, but I do. It's all right. It it's out. fun. You know, I think I, it's I was... up on streaming at the moment now, isn't yeah, it? Somewhere. It's, so I'll find... it's fine. Yeah. But it really did. I, I still, you know, look through uh, Netflix and prime and wherever for, for shark movies. Um, Even like the sci-fi ones, you do Sharknado. Some and, of them, I do, you have to take them in you know, moderation. I mean, because that's a lot of sharks involved in those. Yeah, I lo- I've lost count of how many sequels there are to Three-Headed Shark Attack, I think. But they keep adding heads, I think, in each new one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, George, you know, going back to Jaws, it's like the soundtrack is fantastic. It's amazing. It adds so much to that movie. Mm, just two notes. Just those two notes you hear them and you know exactly don't you yeah but beyond the jaws theme the soundtrack everyone remembers yeah, yeah. the jaws theme but there's so many other pieces and i would say if anybody is interested in listening 
or understanding more about the Jaws uh, soundtrack, there's a podcast called The Soundtrack Show, uh, which goes into great depth about, uh, you know, the, the Jaws soundtrack and many other movie soundtracks. It's well worth a listen. It's fascinating. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, the Jaws movie uh, just set me on a path of loving sharks and, and bad shark movies. Cool. Okay, so my next one is um, such a film school one. And yeah, I'm prepared to be called a wanker again. Um, yeah, people can't see what you're doing there, Jim. But I'm <laughs> sure they can imagine. Uh, this is the Das Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, um, which is... Hey, if my uh, German's good, it means it's the cabinet of Dr. Yeah, Caligari. Yeah, I was going to do the whole thing in German, but I don't know what all <laughs> is. Uh, so the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is a seminal German expressionist film. Um, and again, this is all about the design for me and they, they, the way they used to actually make these big sets and actually build everything. Obviously, you had to back then. This, mm-hmm. is, this is an old silent movie. But also, despite the fact that they've got the set's all built and spent all this time. It's completely abstract and all the angles are wrong and everything's just slightly off and it makes it just this weird atmosphere just through design. And, you know, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is where Tim Burton got all of this from. Mm. This is, you know, they've been doing this for a hundred years. I, I had no idea. And again, it was something that turned me on to, uh, this is when I was getting into watching uh, more silent and old movies. And yeah. it, it was another thing that made me want to delve into um, German expressionism. There's not a huge amount of it, but um, yeah, it's really interesting and, and quite a unique sort of, it, it lent a lot of stuff, German expressionism to film noir and those long shadows and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's my number three. It's great when you find the precursor to the thing you, you love and think is original. And then you find out yeah. all the other bits. It just really expands on, on, on what you, what you appreciate, I think. Um, well, I've got. To, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Raiders of the Lost Ark as a, an important movie to me. Um, much like you know uh, that other Lucasfilm property that I adore, it's a real uh, it's a real childhood fan favorite. But Raiders is in a different tone. It's that Saturday morning matinee. It's the the, the, the struggling hero, what I love about Indiana Jones is that he's not indestructible. You, you see and feel every punch and bump that he gets along the way. And, you know, there's the quote at the end of the movie, isn't there, where he's with Marion, which is, it's, it's not the years, it's the miles, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I love the fact he's fallible. I love the fact he doesn't always get it right, that he makes it up as he goes along. Um, I love the sets, you know. But again, like you say, the, 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 what you get with that movie is is real it's produced it's it's there um i love the humor in it it, it just everything about it for me is is it's is near perfect for a movie as you could get yeah absolutely it is a great film i would agree with that for sure um my next one is rope by hitchcock um again this is not my favorite hitchcock but it's the first hitchcock that i saw so quite a few of mine are my gateway drugs in certain mm-hmm. thing if you like um yeah. and this was the first time that i'd seen any hitch um and this again was when i was sort of getting the appreciation for older movies because my mum didn't really watch any of these things i yeah. had to do all of this sort of thing on my own. own homework yeah. Uh, um and yeah i was just blown away by the staging of it it's all long take it's the yeah, the tension that builds in it it's just excruciating and amazing 
you know, the performances in it, absolutely brilliant. And as I say, my first experience of Hitch and at the start of a very happy love affair. Cool. Well, before I reveal the shocking reveal that will be my most important movie, shall I go through some honourable mentions? Yeah, go on. Go on. I mean, I've, I've got to list The Exorcist. Um, I, for me, I think it's the perfect horror movie. Um, Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park for, for special effects. Next one I'll mention is is the first two Superman movies, and the tagline for the first one there was you you know you believe a man can fly. Well, Jurassic Park and Terminator Two made you believe what you're seeing was real. But those two Superman movies again, without them, I probably wouldn't have got into the Batman movie. Um, so yes, the Superman movies I, I, I love them. They're just such a, a nostalgia fest and such underrated or under, uh, under yeah I can say underrated, bearing in mind what they opened up the comic book world movie world for you know i think they get forgotten a little bit now because of how well marvel have done their shit um the dark knight again i think is batman perfected on the t te- on the on the cinema screen uh, i'll move on quickly like the killer uh is my favorite john woo movie i love the story there's an emotional impact with it um and the last honorable mention i'll say is the phantom menace like i had what 15 16 years of anticipation before i went to see that movie I knew in my head what I thought the prequels would look like from that four-minute scene where Obi-Wan tells Luke about his father, and Phantom Menace was not that. So I came out the cinema a bit like, oh, what's going on here? This is, this is weird, you know? Um, and over the last 20 years, I've really got... I was never somebody that like, was one of those idiots that was doing a George Lucas killed my childhood. Like, yeah, you know, didn't quite get the movie, didn't resonate. But over the years, it's really become a fond movie it's a movie i put on when i'm hungover it's a movie i enjoy watching um, and again john williams soundtrack <laughs> standard standard and that's really my honorable mentions i'll hold off from my number one to let you do some honorable stuff yeah okay so i've got a few honorable mentions before we get to the pick of the pops um i've got on here being john malkovich um Mm -hmm. which again is the first kaufman that i saw and kaufman probably one of my favorite screenwriters probably of all time Mm -hmm. um barton fink raising arizona a lot of cohen stuff you know um, i might just go with filmmakers as much as anything you know there's mm-hmm. there's not really anything the coens have made that i don't like um cachet um french film really enjoyed that three and on that subject as well three colors trilogy um very influential um for getting me into art films and yeah. um that kind of wanky stuff um <laughs> all kubrick Obviously, a massive, massive Kubrick fan. Um, uh, I've also got on here Blade Runner was a big one design-wise. Really enjoyed yeah. that. Um, and also big fan of Tim Burton, as I alluded to with the German Expressionism and stuff. And City of Lost Children particularly. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the Journey, again, cool-looking, uh, really eye-catching, bright colours, really interesting visual filmmaking. Those would be cool. my honourables. Cool. So, well, top of the pops, the big reveal, Jimbo. What is it going to be? What's your number one most important movie? Well, Fred, to the surprise of no one <laughs> that knows <laughs> me, my most important movie, or the most important movie to me anyway, is also my favourite movie, um, and it's Star Wars. To be honest, you could probably 
lump the whole franchise in as the most important one, but specifically it is Star Wars as we knew it as a kid or now Episode 4, A New Hope. Um, it feels like it's been with me forever. I mean, it was it's two years older than I am, so it actually probably has. As I said, it's the longest non-family relationships I've, I've, I've had in my life. Um, it's the hero's journey. It's classic, classic mythology. It's classic fairy tale. The good guys win. Um, it's something that should not be overthought, but very often is. And uh, it just resonated with me as a child because of the, fun, the sense of fun and adventure um, and resonates with me now as an adult. Um, when I look at the various journeys of, of characters and especially that desire to leave a small town life behind, um, something which took me a while to do and to feel comfortable about um, coming back to my hometown. Um, so, yeah, I just it's a movie that I never get bored of watching. It always gives me something new um, and it's just my number one movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm not massively shocked, I have to admit. I have to admit. <laughs> okay, so top of the pops for me is uh, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Um, I haven't um, talked about much Kubrick stuff up to now, but he is my favourite director. I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed. Um, and this is probably my favourite film. It's certainly one of my favourite comedies. Um it has that kind of brilliant blend of almost madcap, um, crazy comedy, uh, but actual real strong uh, political messaging in there as well and a really interesting Cold War thriller as well. Um, and not only that, I'd say it's, it's got some of the most iconic imagery yeah. in film history. Um, you know, the bomb falling with mm -hmm. Kong on top of it and all the rest of that. And um, it's got the lad from the Pink Panther movies. That's it. it. It's, it's, peak, <laughs> it's peak Sellers and peak yeah. Kubrick. So you can't really go wrong. So Kubrick at his best, Sellers at his best, what's not to like. So, yes. Yeah, Still a movie I haven't seen. Oh, my gosh. I've got so much <laughs> to tell you. I think gen genuinely from this chat, it's really, really apparent that I love movies and you love film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we certainly have two sides of the same coin, but yeah, yeah different approach so. to it. It seems like I've got a lot of homework for you, actually. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I sat through Deep Blue Sea 2, so you can at least watch Brazil. That's a, bit, Maybe, that's a yeah. good payoff as far as I'm concerned. All right. Well, I, I reckon that probably just about does it for us here on the second episode. Um, this is our first time doing anything like this. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us uh, waffle on about uh, our mental health and why we love films. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. We know you've got a choice, wide choice in podcasts. So thank you for choosing us. <laughs> So if you have enjoyed the episode, please tell your friends. Make sure to su subscribe on whatever platform you found this on. Uh, follow us on Twitter at I Want to Be Elated. That's all one word. Um, or I Want to Be Elated podcast is the actual page, but you can the hashtag is at I Want to Be Elated. Or you can email us at I Want to Be Elated at gmail.com. Let us know what makes you elated. We want to have conversations with people about what gets them through the bad days. So, uh, so drop us your stories and we'll, we'll have a chat. But in the meantime, from me, James, and from me, Fred. Have a great rest of your week and make sure you do something that makes you elated. Join us next time. We'll be tapping our toes, clicking our fingers and singing the wrong lyrics a little bit out of tune as we talk about music. See ya.